welcome to the NC Podcast. My name is Natasha Collins. I'm the host of this podcast, if you didn't know that already. And I also run NC Real Estate, which is my firm of surveyors. It includes my members club for landlords and property investors to come and build profitable property portfolios that completely align with their goals, especially commercial and mixed use ones. If you have never done commercial before and you want to find out a little bit more about it, then you want to subscribe to next week's webinar. It's on Monday, the 29th of March at 6.30 p.m. It's about how you can get involved in investing in commercial property right now. I'm going to put the link below this podcast, ncrealestate.co.uk forward slash March 2021. Click that link, register, come and join me live. Again, that's going below this podcast. So you don't have to remember all of that. Just click the link, register come and join me. I'm looking forward to seeing you there. Okay, today on the podcast, what are we discussing? Who am I discussing it with? I have brought back a long-term, long-time, long-time <laughs> favorite of the NC podcast, Miss Rach Cass. You will know her because a lot of the time when Rach comes on the podcast, um, we just have a bit of fun. We chat about stuff. We chat about random stuff. One thing you may not know, and I actually haven't told anybody. I didn't even tell Chris this. And then when I said to Chris, Rach is coming on the podcast and he's like, you guys got to do another one of your uh, funny roundup ones. It's like, no, do you know what? Rach actually wrote all the HR documents for NC Real Estate. <gasps> it's a serious one, guys. It's a serious one. We're doing a serious podcast together because it's come up a lot um, at, in, in the members club. Um, there's a lot of talk now about hiring consultants, contractors, virtual assistants. So today we're talking all about how to hire a team member. And rather than me tell you how to do it, because the person who taught me how to do it is this lady sat right here, I thought I'd bring her onto the podcast and we'd have that conversation. So hi, Rachel. Hi, how are you? Good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good. I'm excited. It's mad this actually, because if you think about it, you've done all of this without ever telling anybody I've never told anybody that it was you but not because I didn't want to show you off it's because I didn't really know whether you wanted to talk about it as seriously or whether we'll talk about it yeah (laughs) it's fine um it's one of those things that is kind of ingrained in me and I don't it's like trying to teach someone to drive it's really difficult but you just it's just there you know you know what you need to pick out so yeah let's chat okay so for those of you who don't know how many people now sit on the NC real estate team, I'll tell you because it's always interesting to know where where I started and where we went from, where we've got to. So start with Lorenza. Lorenza has been on and off for me for the last four years. Um, only within the last 18 months did we formalize anything into what Rach is going to talk to you about today. Um, I have Diana, who does all of the free social media, Ivan, who does the paid um, marketing, so paid advertising. I have um, Mel Savage, who's a resident coach with NC Real Estate. I have Chanel, who's a graphic designer, Jenny, who's our bookkeeper. 
Dragoner, who is our um, executive assistant, and then there is me. So that is my team. Then we have other coaches who come on board from time to time who do stuff in the property space. Yeah, that's everybody. I was going to say, who else do I have? But that's everybody that we've got at the moment. So the team has grown and the yeah. team would not be have been able to grow if we had I'd have not been so specific with what roles I wanted people to cover, which is where reach comes in. So first question, where do you start when you're hiring? It's a million dollar question, that one really, isn't it? Um, I think you've got to understand what you want before you can ask someone to come on board with you. Um, so, you know, what tasks is it that you want to delegate out? Do you need an expert or do you just need someone to do the like admin jobs to free up your time to do business development? Um, yeah, it, it that's kind of the crux of it, especially in the types of businesses that you're talking about. My background was very linear in a sense of there were certain job roles that needed filling. And when someone left, you just backfilled them. So yeah I mean that's another approach to it is are you replacing someone or is this a new startup and you want to move off from there um so for me it's what are, what are the tasks that you need assistance with um and also one that people always forget is what's your budget because that'll that'll completely shape the a the type of person that you're looking for you know how many hours a week how many days a week that you're actually wanting that person to do. So it's kind of, you've got a lot of questions that you need to ask yourself before you can start with the hiring process. Mm -hmm. And then, so you decide you want to hire. Yeah. The next step. The next step is, is trying to find that person. So you need to create job descriptions essentially. Um, and to create a job description, again, you have to ask yourself a load of questions. So, you know, what do you want them to do? Uh, what are your expectations of them? So it's not just what are they doing? It's how much are they doing it? Are you setting them KPIs? What are you going to be offering them? You know, why should they apply? What do you want them to bring to your team as well? Um, when do you want them to start? What does that look like? Um, is it going to be a, a permanent commitment or is it just a, I need someone for three months to help me with marketing? You know, it's all of those kind of questions. Um, what even is the application process? What does that look like um, as well? So but flipping it back around to a job description, that to me is, is kind of the crux of it because I think where you were at when, when you and I had our original conversation, you had some really great team members was just getting a bit blurry as to what people were doing. So from that point of view, with a job description, you can kind of tunnel people into what you need from them with the element of being able to expand it out as well. Yeah. I hope, if none of this makes sense, just challenge me on it. Um, but yeah, I think starting with a job description. So what are the taskings? How long do those taskings take? And what's the weighting of it within the, within the, the job spec effectively? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, that was a big one that I didn't even realize because, Rich, you did my first job ex job <laughs> description because I had no idea what you were talking to me about. And we, we labeled it brand expansion manager, which was the 
the marketing position, the free marketing. Yeah. That was that was what I was hiring. And you went through and you put a percentage next to how much of their time they'd be spending on each things. Yeah, it's it's one that I've come to learn later in my career rather than earlier when I was doing more of the hands-on hiring. Um, you know, say you, you're looking for a person that you want to do 20 hours a week, just say, hypothetically, that 20 hours is obviously your 100%, and then you break it down into percentages as to what you want them to be doing. You can go a bit more linear with it as days if days works better for you than hours. Um, but as a manager and as, and as a business owner, it gives you more clarity when that person isn't doing what you need them to be doing because you've got something to challenge them on going, right, I've allocated two hours a day to social media. Why are you spending six hours doing social media? Like it then brings up those questions for you. Um, so the, the narrower you can go in a job description, but not too much detail because you don't want to scare someone, but it's better because then at least someone knows what they're getting themselves into from the start. Yeah. And then I found that when I took, then took that job description and I was putting it on job websites, people could send me applications that were either relevant to the to the job spec or the job description or they won and if they won I just wouldn't even look at them I wouldn't yeah. spend my time with it um how long does a job description need to be depends on your role um I would say a page an A4 page max yeah to, I mean, if it's some if you need something super technical with a load of desirable requirements then obviously go to town on it um because you want the right person that's qualified for that role but if you're looking for someone general um so if we take social media as a i don't know give me a suggestion if social media is not a good one no it is yeah so if you want someone to come on board with your business to do social media you don't need a qualification in social media to do social media but you need to have a bit more of an understanding than just a member of Joe Public that uses it. Um, so yeah, then then you can try and work out from your applicants, yeah, what you're looking for. But if and if you're specific on your job description, so if you say I want a social media champion or a social media executive, what does that mean? Does that mean every single platform available, or are you just looking for someone specifically to do? Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, what, what, like whatever the specifics are, LinkedIn. Um, yeah, then you can be a bit more narrow on it, um, which then links into your onboarding bit, which we'll get to, because you can narrow it down into actual objectives for people as well. Mm -hmm. One of the big things that I found was that when you were writing my the job description for me, is you needed me to understand the job. So one thing I would say is you cannot start hiring until you understand what the job role actually is and you could do it yourself. You're obviously looking for someone to do it better than you are, but you need to know how that works, right? How does the job work? Yeah. What does it run? Yeah, and I think that when, when you're talking about hiring someone is the big question for you is why do you want to bring someone into your team? Is it because, you know, you think it's going to bring you more revenue? 
brilliant, fine. Is it because you are so overwhelmed with every aspect of your business that you just need to get rid of some of it to someone else that you can trust to do that? Then fine. Um, but I've always believed that you can't ask someone to do a job that you've never done yourself and never understand what that looks like or feels like or how long does that take you to do? Um, you know, you might be a complete whiz at something and it takes you half an hour to get something done. But actually your expectation of that person that you're going to bring on board is it's half an hour for me. So I'm going to allow them an hour or I'm going to be nice and I'm going to give them an hour and a half because they might have a lot of questions to begin with. But actually in three months time, my expectation is it's going to be 45 minutes. But yeah, you, you have to understand before you can you can delegate something out because there's nothing worse than working for a manager that or, you know, a business owner that doesn't really understand what they want from you because you just like, well, I don't really know how I can help you. Like, I really want to help you, but I don't know what you need from me, um, yeah. which is really challenging. Yeah, because it's not fulfilling. And then you both start grating on each other and it just becomes an absolute nightmare. I whole world of pain. Whole world of pain. That yeah. is for sure. I completely get that. Um, so you put together your job description. It's got exactly what you need that person to do. You post it on job boards. So you've worked out whether they're going to be a full-time position, a part-time position, a contractor. You've posted that out there. People start handing in your applications. And at the moment, I know for sure that you get shed loads of applications. How do you know, number one, how long to open the job role for? But number two, which applications to pick seriously and which to not go through? (laughs) Oh, so I quite like reading people's CVs um, and applications um, because I think you can tell a lot from someone by that I know a lot of people ex-colleagues that really disliked it and thought it was a big waste of time and gave it to someone else and they would just interview the creme de la creme of the bunch um recruiting now is obviously very different to what it was 18 months ago because because of the pandemic because of you know the state of the economy people are losing jobs so you are going to end up with people applying for stuff that they're not really qualified for Um, I think advertising a job Again, depending on the spec of it, if it's something that's not expert, um, I would say a minimum of seven to 10 days. Um, just because you, you're then allowing people the time to see the job and then pick it up. Because it's not, there's nothing stopping you doing it for seven days. You analyze everything and go, I've not got the person that I want and you put it out again. Obviously, there's a budgetary cost for some job platforms cost you money. Um, we always used to do 14 days yeah Um, but again it goes down to your time because hiring although the end result is brilliant if you're currently feeling overwhelmed the whole application process and and getting someone on board is going to take up a lot of your time so if you feel like I need to get the job ad out but I haven't I haven't got the headspace for two weeks to get to this then put it out for three weeks but be mindful of the fact that you're probably going to get a hundred and something application. So it's, yeah, <laughs> it's the seesaw of, I, w- I would say seven to 10 days and assess and try and assess it 
sort of daily by daily so that you're keeping on top of it and then regards to which candidates do you go for you have to work out what you're wanting from that person so are you wanting an expertise are you you know is education super important to you is the you know evidence that they've got amazing customer service more important to you is it a super creative cv whichever one of those it is it's then really easy to pick like you can tell pretty quickly from a cv if the person's right for you or not um if you're sat on 400 applications and grammar is not is non-existent and you've got spelling mistakes left right and center i'm really sorry but i don't need that in my life as harsh as that is because i know a lot of people even i get my spelling of certain words the wrong way around so i sympathize with people but it's a bit of a cutthroat world when it comes to applying for jobs it's brutal at times um so yeah i don't know if that answered all the questions no it did answer all the questions i think that you oh, that was yeah sorry i just remembered one other thing um as part of your job ad um what are you wanting in return from that applicant so are you just wanting them to drop you a cv if so you're going to get hundreds of applications because everyone's already got their cv done they'll just chuck it at you do you want a cv and a covering letter fine do you do you have you know do you want to be more specific and set um questions for that person to answer so why should i why you know, why do you want to come and work for me? What can you bring to this role? You go off piste and ask really weird questions. Um, I always find when applying for stuff, anything that's slightly quirky that isn't just a CV and a covering letter gets my attention. But I don't know that much about the property sort of application process. So that might be something that's not relevant. I think it is definitely when I have now been out um for jobs I like people who would get on board with me um who say something a little bit funny that makes me smile in the application that catches my attention um I mean Lorenza and I we work together well because we get on very well incredibly well but we're also very very different so my strengths Lorenza's strengths very 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 different which means that we work well she picks up the stuff that I don't like and I kind of do all of the leadership and the organization role. And then we have organization that backs that up. So I'm also very aware of now, and I wasn't when I first started running this business, but now more than ever, how we have to have complementary um, complementary staff members, people who are organized. And then you can have less organized mem members of the team as long as you're not giving them that job you have to know what works and what doesn't otherwise you end up in a situation where nothing gets done because nobody is playing to their strengths so I often ask the question honestly what do you enjoy doing and honestly what do you hate doing and I don't want to know oh my biggest weakness is the fact that I'm so organized or obsessive or perfectionist or yeah no, thank you. That's not for me. What is for me is when you actually tell me properly what you don't like so that I can, and what you do like, so I can see if you sit, fit in with my team. So 
once you've picked applicants, how do you decide on the interview pro- process and what do you ask during interviews? Um, so again, this goes back to how much time you've got. Um, because interviewing someone isn't just getting them on a Zoom call for 20 minutes, put the pen down, walk away. Like it's 20, you know, it's 15 minutes prep minimum, 20 minute to 30 minute interview, potentially longer if you get on well with the person. You've then got a 15 minute probably debrief where you're scribbling, frantically scribbling down notes. And then you need to sleep on the decision and you've probably got 15 to to 30 minutes of kind of working out what that looks like for that person to come on board. That's just for one interview. Um, So it's all about time. So if you've got the time, do a first round informal chat um, with a larger number of people um, just to get like a conversation like you and I would have, you know, obviously if you've known someone for 15 years, it's a very different conversation, but it's a, how are you, you know what have you how have you got to this point why have you applied for this role why does this role interest you you know strengths weaknesses like you were saying and then you would take it to a more formal second round interview which would be potentially more competency-based stuff um with a narrower number of people um if that isn't something that would work for you then just go straight down the, the competency stuff with a buffer of the get to know you questions um and I would say a minimum of three because you definitely need some form of a comparison. Um, get If you can get six in there because you're bound to get no shows. But yeah, that's the reality, unfortunately. So I would say a minimum of three. And then from an asking question point of view, again, it's dependent on your job role. Um, if it's just going to be you and this person, you know, how do you cope with working independently? Have you ever worked at home before? Presuming that people will be working from home. Um, if they're not, if they're going to be coming into a bigger team, what are your strengths within within a team? What are your weaknesses? Um, tell me about a team that you've most enjoyed working with and why. What was your role? Um, and then the classic, give us an example when, dot, dot, dot. So like, give us an example when you had to make a difficult decision, what did that look like? In hindsight, would you have done it differently? Because that is a really, I find that a really interesting one because you're really tapping into someone's thought process of going, oh, this really difficult thing happened. I did it this way. Would I do it differently? What was the outcome of it? Was it, did it go well or did it go catastrophically wrong? What would I do differently? So I think you just, as difficult as it is to get a first impression at an interview, because everyone's always stressed. Like you need you you as the interviewer needs to set the tone that you're not going to be a bulldozer and you're not going to terrify them. Um, unless that's your approach, then fine, have fun. It doesn't work for me. Um, you want to try and get them into a comfortable position of being able to talk fluidly. So yeah, I think I would go with competency would be the latter end of it yeah again it's about seeing if you can find someone that you can work with because if you can't work with them it's so tough okay so we've interviewed people you've made your decision how do you make your decision how for you do you you make the decision making the decision of which person to pick um I think for me I've been lucky enough that I kind of go off gut instinct. Um, you know, 
I'm not God's gift. I haven't got HR qualifications. I'm just someone that used to do quite a lot of hiring. Um, yeah, I would go off gut and you can you can get a vibe from someone if they're super keen. Um, my big thing that I always used to really hone in on at interviews was, did they ask any questions? And if they did, what questions did they ask? Um, you know, when we were recruiting for team members, which was which was the lowest level within within my team, but obviously the most integral part, because if we didn't have team members, what was the point of being full of managers? Like we just wouldn't operate. My biggest bugbear is if someone asked me how much they were going to get paid. Now, obviously, I know we're in a different world right now and these job roles might be more specific. But for me, I wasn't looking for someone that just wanted money in the bank and an easy life. Like I wanted someone that wanted to develop and wanted to go on a journey with me. Um, so, yeah, it's a really difficult one to quantify. Um, I think, you know, um, but I always say sleep on it. Write a load of comments. Always write notes after an interview because that snapshot, when you've slept on it and you read them, you go, oh, yeah, I forgot that that person said that. Or that's a bit of an alarm bell for me. Um, yeah, because it's not only working with this person, you're going to have to manage them. And if you've never managed anybody before, you need it to be the right person. Because if it's not. That's true. I have had a lot of people. Um, it's actually making me think about the uh, uh, people who've worked for NC Real Estate who has just not work, worked out with. And that's just because of the way that I run business and also me learning about my business. You never know quite where your business is when you're first starting out. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you hit the nail on the head with the strengths and weaknesses. Like you, you don't want someone that's going to be a mini me. Like you don't want someone that, well, unless you're looking for a PA, fine, go for it. Um, but if you're wanting someone to actually bring something to the table and going to challenge you, but not in a really difficult way, but challenge the way that you operate in the future. Yeah. You want someone that's slightly different to you. Um, but you also want someone that that's got a personality, um, which is really difficult to get from just reading someone's CV. Mm -hmm. I find which is where the asking the questions rather than just a covering letter comes in. Yeah, so that you can get to know kind of what makes them chuckle as well or what makes them yeah. write seriously or that's really important. Yeah, I mean, I remember applying for a job once that asked me, it was an environmentally based job and it asked me to describe the environment in three words. Like, what? <laughs> so it could, you know, it could be, I don't know what the type of business is, but I'm presuming obviously property based. So three features of your dream house. Any Anything that is, is kind of off piste that you're going to be able to go, oh, that person's got a personality. Like I can, I can get that vibe. Um, yeah. Whereas I'm sure you'll get some really weird answers that will make you chuckle, which is always fun. Um, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I've had some funny job applications. That's one for another podcast. <laughs> so you find your person, you email yeah. them and you say, do you want to come on board? And they say yes. So you get all the formalities sorted and that can be as simple as a, a letter and you both sign it and you, you agree it. Um, next is onboarding. 
what is a good onboarding process? Because I didn't even think of this until you started doing my onboarding documents. I will just go back one step. When you're asking someone to come on board with you, personally, I would always phone them. Obviously, geography might not allow for that. Um, And always phone the person that you want to offer the job or email the person you want to offer the job to first and leave everybody else until that person has said yes. Because you don't want to offer them the job and say no to everybody else and then they say no and then you're back to square one again. Just a just a footnote on that one. I know people that have been um yeah, being caught out on that one. But yeah, from an onboarding point of view, that links straight back into your job description. So if you if you are super detailed in your job description, you have done 60% of the legwork when it comes to your onboarding, because your onboarding. Ideally, you want to have a probation period, especially if you're bringing this person on full time and permanently. Um, two, two reasons, really. One is it gives them an escape go if it's not working out to do six weeks and go, sorry, this isn't working. But on the flip of that, it gives you the six weeks to go, this isn't working. Um, you know, I've had conversations in the last couple of weeks with a couple of friends who have small businesses as well, who have been caught out because they didn't do the probation review six months ago. And now they're like, how do I get rid of this person? Obviously, there's a whole process that you go through. Um, But yeah, onboarding is make sure you've got a good contract in place um, that covers you just as much as it covers them. What package are you offering them? Are you going to be offering them holiday pay? Are you going to be offering them sick pay? Blah, 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 blah. Or are you wanting them completely on a freelance basis? So they have to deal with all of that. And then an onboarding, your six-week plan, effectively, is the job description, which can be broken down into categories because what you don't want to do is go, hey, come on board, start on Monday, there's everything, bye. You will terrify the person. You need to drip feed it into them, um, play to their strengths that you already know because you've asked them that in interview. So start them off with the stuff that they know ease them in, set them up with all of the stuff that they need. And then, yeah, and then kind of build build it there. And one of the key things, and I think I said this to you, is actually weekly, if you don't have the time, bi-weekly phone calls with them. Um, how are they doing? What do they need from you? What do you need from them? Um, because it's a two-way street. You're basically wanting them to help you, and in return, you're paying them. Um, so yeah, the onboarding, the onboarding worked, didn't it? That we went through. Yeah, it really worked because um, I would have weekly meetings. I'd get them to tick off when they're done things, what they had questions on, how they could get in contact with me about it. And now I have weekly team mem- meetings on a Monday morning where everybody works together as like co-working. You can jump in for as long as you want. If you don't want to do co-working, you don't want to do something, any, you know, you don't need to be there. Jump off, that's fine. Um, but it means that everybody gets to know each other as well. There is nothing worse than a team who works as individuals. That that goes back into a question actually is, where where is this person going to be based? Does it matter to you where they live in the world? Um, do time zones matter to you as a business? You know, if you're a UK-based business, do you need everybody on the t- same time zone or can you be super flexible? And if so, you then need to work that in because your team is, do you have anyone in the UK? Yeah, I do. Um, I um, have all different time zones, actually. We work across five different time zones. 
which is hard, but also awesome because there's always someone working. Yeah, yeah. It's the same in the job role that I'm doing at the moment. We're across four, I think, five maybe. Um, yeah, so there's a guy in Dubai who will start, and you know that like he starts at, say, my time, say, seven in the morning or eight in the morning, but actually it's four in the morning with me because there's a four hour, t- which is great. So you get a longer span, you get a longer span of working. Yeah, I like that as well. And also because everybody does all the emails beforehand and they can get in the Slack group because I do mine last thing at night. I finish everything off. I'm the last person to log out for the day. And that means that everybody else can sort things out first thing in the morning, which works so well. Yeah, but it's organization, isn't it? And and you, I mean, it helps that you're in a time zone that's a bit further ahead than say UK time. Um, but it's your business, you're in control of it and you've structured your team in a way that works for you, works for your life outside of your business as well. Um, and hopefully everyone's doing what they should be doing and knows how to get in contact with you if they've got any questions. Yeah, and of course, it's not all plain sailing, not all of the time. You know, sometimes- are involved. <laughs> sometimes there's a lack of communication or things don't happen. But it's also about making people feel valued. We, I have a very specific pay rise structure at NC Real Estate now. So we know when, when everybody's getting pay increases, how that works, what we're working towards. So we have team goals, individual goals. We also know what everybody is doing within the organization, which works so much better. I mean, when when everybody was working as kind of lone ships or individual ships and I didn't know how to manage, that was a pain. So it's also about you learning about yourself as you grow. You don't become you don't become a great CEO overnight, that's for sure. <laughs> no, but if you think back to the time of, you know, pre-having all this organization and the plans and the job descriptions, you probably lost quite a lot of your valuable business time to dealing with working out where all these different people were and what they were actually doing. Yeah. Which is why the job description, although you might not have the capacity, time, you know, mental capacity, whatever it is to just go, right, I'm going to do an hour of just writing down what it is that I need. It'll save you so much time in the long run. Mm-hmm. I agree. So much time. Because otherwise you can't grow your business. You can't grow your business if you don't put time aside for hiring and managing your team. And the whole idea is the bigger you get, the more you step back from doing the day-to-day because you've got to lead everybody. Yeah, you've got to lead everybody, but you also, as CEO, as business manager, business owner, you want to try and, well, I'd imagine with your business, you want to still keep it personal with your team because you're not at the level of having hundreds of people yet. But even if you did, the type of person that you are, I know you would still want to know everybody's name and where they were from, where they lived, how many kids they had, that kind of stuff. Because I always want to work for someone that treats me as a human rather than a number. Mm -hmm. That's why I stuck it out in my previous job for as long as I did is because the people at the top knew who I was. Yeah. If I was just the manager of X, I wouldn't have stayed around as long. No, and I agree with that. Relationships are so important. Yeah, but you've got to start them on the right foot. 
Um, I'm being super clear. But the other thing, as an interviewer and as someone that's hiring, if you know that you really, you know, you're super vague when it comes to direction and you kind of expect people to know, like read your mind, say that to the person. It might not, it might not do you much, you know, give you many brownie points, but just go, look, I am fully aware that I can be really vague and I can get a bit snappy if you don't do what I want you to do because you've not read my mind. If that happens, call me out on it. Yeah. As long as you don't mind being called out on it, obviously. But yeah. And also ask them in interview how they like to be managed because everybody, A, learns differently, but B, will adapt to a, to a certain management style. A so that can, be, that can be a factor of how do you sort of pick which person's right for you because if someone has to be micromanaged, you probably don't have the capacity to micromanage someone. I really agree with that. So final question, any other really hot tips that you think that people need to know about the hiring process? Hot tips. I knew you'd chuck a curveball in there. Um, Hot tips. I think you... When it comes to hiring, you have to do a bit of soul searching yourself and work out what it is that you're willing to give up to to bring someone else on board. And that's mainly from a time point of view. Um, how much time are you willing to give into this? Because ultimately that will decide the type of person that you get out at the other end. Um, I think as an interviewer, putting a bit of your personality on the table helps. Um, not all of it because you don't want to expose yourself um, and you don't want to give yourself a bad reputation in the field but easing someone into an interview can really help bring out the good in that person Um, being organized and making loads of notes always make notes on people's like CVs during an interview any any alarm bells that's always one because I remember I've I've ignored a couple of alarm bells and they've come and bitten me on the bottom because I ignored them um and yeah hot tips I think to be honest with you you've got to be super stringent with your one-to-ones and your and your onboarding because if you're not you're in deep water later down the line if it goes the wrong way if you don't if you don't get the right person amazing thank you Rach this has been really useful now one thing that we're going to be doing next month is that Rach is coming into the members club and is actually bringing her templates. Um, So we're going to have all the onboarding templates, the job description templates, all of that inside the members club. So if you're not in the members club, it's just one other reason to join. Rach, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. Really appreciate you coming back to the podcast. Thanks for having me on a more serious note this time. (laughs) Pleasure. Thank you everybody for listening if you've enjoyed this podcast don't forget to rate and review because that helps other people find the podcast thank you so much for listening to us today i cannot wait to catch up with you again soon <laughs>